All right, welcome everybody. Thirsty Thursday number 28. Cheers, brothers. Bobby's already a step ahead. Tonight we're honored to have uh, Chief Sid Newby with us here tonight um, from Wichita, correct? Correct. Um, so on the job in Wichita, uh, has since retired, uh, but also has done some teaching and working at the Fire Department Training Network uh, out in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so we're super excited to have him with us tonight. Thank you, Chief, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Trevor, Bobby, always good to see you guys. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. We got, I think we got a great show tonight. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing about uh, FDTN. I've heard a lot about it from guys that have been there. Um, but getting to talk to some of the guys that, that are with one of the chiefs that works there and, um, you know, hearing Bobby's latest experience. So I'm looking forward to it. So as always, if you guys have questions, comments, um, on the YouTube or the Facebook, put them in the comments. Uh, we'll be happy to shoot those up here and, and, um, we can address those. Or if you guys have stories you want to tell about, uh, being out there, we'd love to see that too. So, um, with that, Trevor, why don't you take it away? Great. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Um, I know I say this every, every two weeks, but I'm really excited about, uh, tonight's broadcast and our guest we have on tonight. Uh, had the pleasure of knowing uh, Sid for several years now and being able to work with him both directly and indirectly in, a, in the training sense, especially out there in Wichita and Wichita Hot. And I got thinking earlier today, uh, I was trying to reframe some stuff in, in my own uh, in my own mind about, you know, where, where I am in my career, what I've done, where where I've been. And, you know, some things you start getting that negative attitude, but this is always my ability at least twice a month to come in here and recharge because, you know, we're so blessed to have the people that we know and respect the most in the fire service, not only to you know talk amongst ourselves, but to have on as guests. And Sid certainly is, you know, in that category, he's one of those people that, um, you know, I've known again for a while and have a deep amount of respect for in the fire service. And one of the things on my fire department bucket list is to go to FDTN and I've never been, I've heard great stuff about it, but what always I hear when people come back and this kind of reminds me of it is they come back energized. And we do the same thing from FDIC, but I hear FDTN is, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences as well. But you you send firefighters out there that you know are good firefighters and they come back even even better and more energized. So if, if I had to, never being there, if I had to compare it to something just as a um, sight unseen, it's almost like when you see the, the movie Top Gun, for example, and they said, yeah, they'll send the best naval aviators in the world to that school to make them better. And that's what that's my impression of FDTN is that, you know, you send some of the best people that you have out there and they come back better. And so when you look at, say, let, you know, can you have realistic training that is also done in a safe and efficient manner? Then, you know, FDTN is the answer to that. And, you know, I'm you know, not trying to give any shameless plugs for it, but that's that's my impression of it. And I can't wait to hear from uh, Bobby and Sid also, because I know Bobby's got some recent experience out there um, to tell us all about it. And you know, to me, it's, again, one of the blessings that we have in the fire service that we have, you know, people like Sid and, and Jim and all those other guys out there that want to share their time and talents with the brothers and sisters to make us better in our industry. So, with that, I want to pitch it down to Bobby, and then we'll get to our guest of honor this evening, Mr. Sid Newby. Uh, thank you, Trevor, and uh, welcome, Chief Newby. It's good to have you, brother. It's been a long time since we've seen you. So, um, Trevor and I have had the, the, the blessing to be out of Wichita a lot of times, and uh, 
very, very good people out there in Wichita Fire Department and surrounding areas. Um, just a, a blast to teach with, to learn with, and all that. Um, yeah, tonight I, I was going to talk, uh, as we get going, I, we'll get the intro into FDTN a little bit. But uh, for me, probably, uh, you know, 10 or well, ten or 12 years ago, I had a, I had, I had a bit of an internal struggle um, in my fire service career. And, um, and I, things that, um, things started to bother me. Uh, I started to be that guy that was really worried about the maze. And I was the guy that was like, uh, having trouble, uh, on fire grounds, actually. Um, it, and I'll tell you more about it later on in the show, but, um, but the thing was, um, I went out to FDTN and it was kind of, I had worked very, very hard on the, the results of all of that for myself. And, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, when people are listening, when you have struggles in the fire service, um, you often won't say anything about them to anybody. Um, and, and, and that reason is because uh, you're very afraid of, of being excluded from the fire service. Um, we're very, um, we're very macho group of people and, you know, we have, we're very strong emotions and things like that. And so uh, they ask every year in your physical, do you have claustrophobia? And you obviously have to say no, when in reality, some of these guys out here do, including, and I did too. And uh, so I worked really, really hard on it. And, and the end result was, we normally send our younger guys out here to FDTN, uh, not saying that at all, but that's usually what we do here in Ocean City. And uh, I put my name in every year for the last three or four years, uh, just trying to go out there and really test, was I really fixed? Um, I knew that FDTN is a whole other level of, um, uh, you know, no visibility, heat, uh, all the things that, that, that were bothering me, you know, a decade ago. And um, I'm happy to report that it went great. I mean, I loved it. It was a fantastic training experience for me. And um, so I'll be I'm, I'm going to look at, I'm excited to talk about it. But then I really do want, I would love to get into the nuts and bolts of um, there's a lot of instructors that, that Trevor and I know that uh, that work out there. And in addition to Chief Newbie, and uh, they're all great people. And so I kind of want to talk about the nuts and bolts um, later on about what, what is actually happening, how they make that all happen. Uh, it seemed like a well-coordinated dance out there. At the same time, it was very difficult and challenging for the students. It, it seemed like they had a really good game plan out there. And I guess uh, Mr. McCormick has really figured out a way to kind of corral a bunch of uncorrallable guys <laughs> to some extent to um, to make things repeatable and, and of high quality for the students. So um, I'm really looking forward, and I'm really glad we could do this with you, Chief. And uh, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell everybody about yourself, and uh, we'll get started. Okay. Yeah, my name's Sid Newby. Uh, on the job, 38 years, retired in August 2019 as a battalion chief. Um, taught at F- I was taught at all the major fire conferences, FDIC, Firehouse Expo, you know, local state stuff. But nothing does more for me than FTTN. Uh, that that means more to me to teach there, or to be, even be a helper there, than anywhere else. Uh, I've taught it, like I say, for 25 years. I've uh, been an instructor different ways. Met you guys through Wichita Hot, and we started our own deal about 10 years, a little over 10 years ago. And then I was the same way as you, Trevor. I used to go to uh, FDIC. And I've been a member for FTTN for years as far as the, uh, you know, the newsletter, Fireground Academy. And it's Fireground Academy is what it is. Um, so I went out there and I knew 
through Hot, I knew uh, Mike Lombardo and Bobby Pressler, and uh, they introduced me to Jim. And uh, you know, I, or I started out just helping out, and uh, kind of grew from there. And uh, it's the greatest place to go train because there with all these greats of the fire service, and there's no egos. Nobody's, nobody's, nothing's beneath anybody. I mean, we're in there cleaning out after every fire and prepping for the next fire to try to every 20 minutes to rotate and get into another fire situation. And, uh, you know, it's just a great place to go learn. And it's, it's the only place where you're going to get real live fire, practical fire training that you can take back home and, and try to teach your own people. Um, so, um, I don't know. It's just been a it's been a great experience to be out there with those guys, and it was great that I could go out there and uh, start out. And I encourage anybody going to FDIC to spend that weekend before you know when they have it and go to FDTN if they can make a double duty out of it. Um, and then it's good seeing everybody again. Bobby Millville's been there a lot, um, you know, and uh, I don't know. I don't know that I thought it's very much of an intro for me, but uh, it's just it takes away all the crap from the job that we have and gets right back into the nuts and bolts. And that's training and training every day and being more proficient at what you do. And the more you train, the more relaxed and less stressful the fire ground's going to be. It's going to seem more routine. If that's a bad word to say or not. But it's going to make your vision more. It's going to make you safer. And uh, it's going to give you conditions that you're going to realize at a real fire. You shouldn't have to go to your real fire to, you know, to go to your first fire on the job and, you know, and have to see if you can do it or not. So, I don't know. You guys help me out. Yeah, well, and instead of, it's one of the things I know you, you said it before, Bobby, Ben, it's all, it's all in our lexicon. We say it quite a bit that we're only as good as our last fire. And for what I hear um, with FDTN, it's like, okay, you're, you're getting these, you know, pearls of wisdom from people. And again, it's, it's not sitting there in judgment or saying, you know, I'm holier than now because I have this many more years on a job is to impart that kind of thing on the, the students to say, what did you do well? What did you do not so well? Let's evaluate what occurred and apply what you learn. And guess what? We're doing another fire in 20 minutes. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's that it's that mentality. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, and this might be a conversation um, you know, for a later time to see if you ever had any mustache envy about, you know, Pressler and Lombardo. Um, you know, because they, they, they set the bar pretty <laughs> no. high on that. But um, what some of the things that I'm, I'm curious about, and I want to hear from you and Bobby on this, is, you know, I've heard about FDTN for years. And again, you know, my, my goal is before, um, you know, I, I shuffle off the coil of being a firefighter forever. Uh, I'd love to come out there and uh, actually experience that. But where did it start and where is it now? I mean, what, what, what was the genesis of the whole thing? And then, you know, because I know, Bobby, you've uh, you had more recent experience out there. So can you walk us through a little bit of the history of it? I can, Bobby, you want me to a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the first time I went to um, FDTN, it was part of FDIC. Um, we would go out to FDIC every year from Ocean City. I think back then we really, um, we were sending, I think, what, 14 or 15 people. I remember that, Trevor, uh, back. And so uh, FDTN was really like this crazy one-day um, truck engine 
everything all in one um, kind of thing and you went back and your knees were destroyed and you were very, very tired and, and all those types of things. But it was a very beginning of, um, you know, rescuing the, getting the babies out of an actual crib. So actually dumping the crib down your lap to get the babies, that kind of stuff, uh, more realistic kind of buildings, um, terrifyingly high van holes you were cutting, um, things like that and so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, so at some point there was a little bit of a, a change with, uh, with, with, with the school and they went to more of an individual school, um, that, that went all year long, basically, instead of just doing the FDIC thing. And, um, uh, I can tell you the year I went, the year I went was a year, um, they had, I guess they had let one get away from them a little bit and didn't know it. And uh, so people kept driving by. It's kind of FTTN is kind of in a very rural area, though it's near town, but it's really out in the middle of nowhere. And I guess after a while, someone thought, well, I know they have fire training out there, but that's an awful lot of fire. So the year I went there, there was a pile probably 50 feet high of twisted up container boxes that had burned up um, that season before I kind of went out there. So I don't know what year it was. I think it was, I don't know, uh, 04, 05. It was, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly when it was. Um, and then they switched into a more, I call it a more formal um, firefighter school. Uh, I know the engine one, engine two, you know, truck one, truck two, truck three. I, you said you have to help me out with those nomenclatures. Yeah. They do allow you to go out there and do the, like, like okay, you just can do fires all day long. Um, but what I can tell you is um, the couple of things that were different when I went out there, um, it was much more laid out well this time I went out there. Uh, many more buildings. Um, a lot more stuff out there. It was just laid out a whole lot better. Um, and though they allow you to get in these classes, uh, it's going to test you if you have a way. And basically what I mean by that is if, if you're going to get a victim out of a, a, a hole or something like that, if you don't have a particular skill set to get them out of a hole, you won't. And so yeah. it, it's, 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 you have failures when you go to FTTN in, in, complete, in completing your mission. And, uh, that's very different than most fire schools. Uh, most fire schools, you know, instead of practice until you don't get it wrong, as soon as you get it right, they say good job and send you on your way. And that's kind of not the way FTTN is. They roll you through there, and if it doesn't work, you go on to the next station. You know, and and what you, what you learn is what you haven't skills to work on. You know, and that's so the biggest difference was I thought it was just much more. Um, more people were there working, uh, helping out, and all that. Um, I got to see our buddy Tyron Dow out there. He's helping out. He was doing the uh, orders and he's doing the cellar fires and stuff like that. Saw some really good people that we've seen before travel all over the place. So that network was really cool too. But that's where I saw was it became much more of a formal school. In my personal opinion, um, don't take this the wrong way, but I would take and sell the current NFA and create something similar to FDTN for firefighters to go to. Um, because this is a, the grassroots, of the American Fire Service, and there's some states don't have any formal training at all. Um, and this, if the, if the federal government could jump on board and fund this, um, some type of facility like this, this is, um, I mean, this is best they can do for what they, what, what money they bring in, uh, you know. But like the FBI has a whole talent they can use, and things like that. And I think the, the fire service deserves the same. I think we should have. So that's what I think. I think that much of FTTN that that should be. The, the cornerstone of our national fire academy 
and then build the other things off of it. So that's that's how much I think about it from my last experience. But Sid, if you want to talk a little bit, talk yeah. about what you guys go through before we get there. So uh, you know when you t- you talk about how you set your things up, what they're what what Jim's working with you guys on, how to coordinate all those people, how you're setting the fires up, fire loads, things like that. And I'll talk about what it's like with when we show up and you guys are already ready to go. Because when okay. you get there, you guys are already ready to go. So it's obvious yeah. that you guys put work in and effort in. So talk a little bit about how you set your stations up, how you go from helping to being an instructor, uh, any, anything like that in your experience, if, if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And let me give just a little bit of background. They started in 2001. Jim started with one container and a vision with his vision with Bobby Presley and Mike Lombardo to, to you know, make it into what you go out there every six months and there's a new building, a new prop going on. Uh, we went, they went from 15, from one prop to 15 props. And that includes huge buildings. I mean, anywhere from a strip mall to a high rise building to uh, a house, a hoarder prop, uh, multi family dwelling apartment complex. They've got, you know, and they've got six or seven engines to use to make it all work. And a hydrant with streets that uh, it's just, it's fantastic. And the, the setup is we usually arrive there anywhere. And the guys there do a load of the work, the guys from that area. Uh, Jim has a great group of guys from uh, Shelbyville Fire Department and also Indianapolis and the surrounding area that get the majority of the big stuff done. We, as instructors, try to get out there a couple of days before the class starts. And, you know, then we start fine-tuning our own props. Like uh, what I do during the fire camp is, is I'm, I've always been Mike Lombardo's safety line guy. So I'm the guy that keeps, the, you know, the fire back, but still realistic enough that it makes it hot enough for those kids to go through there and, and do a search and try to find a victim and knock the fire back and shut the door. So we're hanging sheetrock. We're uh, getting out uh, mannequins to use. We're putting, you know, certain furniture and certain props to, you know, get it ready. And, and all of us, well, most of us have done it for several years or several times to where we know what we need to do once we get there and we can fine tune it. And that way it's good to go. We have, we call the, uh, I don't know, our fires, the sets. Like we only use two different sets usually, one for scenario-based and one for skills-based. And uh, we have the fires all ready to go for the first day to where when after the guys end up doing their uh, introduction and what the uh, different uh, scenarios are going to be, then we can start right into the fire. We want to have as as much less downtime as we can in between. Jim is a real passion for logistics to try to turn things over and get things working. I mean, you know, you've seen it. They've got loaders out there. As soon as the fire's done, we open the doors, loader comes up, the instructors and some of the students that they'd like to help, you know, load up, clean it out, build another set and get ready to go for the next class. And so there's, you know, a lot of turnover happening real fast. A lot of moving parts that, uh, you know, kind of like an aircraft carrier, they're going on that nobody even sees, and and that's the that's the way it should be. Is the students shouldn't see a lot of the other stuff going on. They should be getting ready, getting their bottles filled up, and getting ready to go. So, uh, 
And, and one of the newest classes that I particularly like is the uh, fire combat. That uh, I don't know, if, Bobby, if you've been there or not, but where you go in, you can go as a company or you can go as an individual and they put you in a company. And for three days, you're, you have usually three to four engine companies and three to four truck companies and then three or four battalion chiefs. And you're a firehouse. You're, they have you positioned around the campus and have a live dispatcher. And uh, they have street signs or streets that in, in the uh, in the town in the village. And you'll get dispatched to a fire. Check smoke. You know, check a car fire. And you'll go up, and it's all scenario based from initial on scene report to stretching the line to the battalion chief arriving and uh, commanding the incident. So that goes from you know, the very basics of it all the way through to where uh, every position, whether you're a backup guy, a nozzleman, a door guy, a company officer, or a chief officer, plays a role in that class. So it's very, it's very good. Um, and so they'll take up and get ready to leave a particular alarm. And there might be another one burning two blocks away. And so they're going. They're getting, they're getting ready, turning over, and, and moving on. Um, logistics are very important. We've got a great crew out there that you know supply all of our bottles, all the students' bottles, uh, all the necessary materials to get the fire going, and uh, it's just good. Um, like Mark Lombardo says, it's called. It's, he calls it, and it's true. It's the National Fireground Academy. He said the National Fire Academy has a 747, a high-rise scenario. He says all that. He's a great little video on the FDTN.com site, but it's in England. It's in London. It's not in the United States. You know, you go to, I mean, I did EFO. I got an EFO from National Fire Academy. I mean, just the way it is. It's all classroom, whereas the majority of us are uh, firefighters. We need to be out there doing the, doing the, doing the basics, doing the drills, the blue-collar work. Chief Newby and, and Bobby, maybe you guys can both field this question together. Um, Gary Rogers had posted, how do you get into FDTN? Is it a, a chief? I know you had mentioned you can go as an individual, you can go as a department. Um, how does that, how does that work? Is it kind of a lottery? Like you put in for when you want to go or? Well, unless, unless the class, they have us on their, on their website, FDTN, FDtraining.com. There's all the classes and you can register right there, hit the box. And if the class isn't full, you'll you can get in i mean it doesn't take any kind of a uh, i don't know um kind of a, unless you know you're either closed either you get in or the class is closed and have to go to the next one and there's like i don't know 18 different classes offered so uh, you know a lot of times if you're a volley department or whatever through training you have to wait to see how, it's mostly the hang-ups on the departments the tr- fire department side not on the fdtn side so but if you want to go as an individual and just pay your way, then you just go. You can sign right up. Cool. Thank you. Chief, I, I know I mentioned this in, before we started, but I, I have, I think, like the FDTN, um, kind of like the general video. It's not specific to any of the courses. Uh, if you want, we can throw that up and, and play that real quick. It's up to you guys. That'd be great. Okay.
That's good stuff right there. Uh, one of the things about people signing up to go out there is um, this training is so um, it's so uh, high quality, I guess you could call it. Uh, we had uh, we had a few people. We had I'd say at least as many people out there were um, were paying their own way. Um, they were taking off vacation from their fire department. We had some some uh, uh, students alongside of us from D.C. and from other metropolitan departments that, that, that saw the quality of the training is so high um, that they were willing to pay their own way and take their own time off. And, and all, those, all those fire departments did at least offer them SCBA and things like that. But um, I'm, I'm blessed in Ocean City that they actually, you know, they paid my way and they got me out there and they covered my salary while I was there. So we're, we are very, very blessed. I think sometimes we get a little bit spoiled and we don't realize that other parts of the country aren't um, quite as, as lucky as that is. So, um, and I know like the class I just went to was a three day, um, uh, what do you call it, Sid? The one with the, uh, uh, the hoarders and all it, what's fire, the name camp. Of that? fire camp, fire camp. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, it was a thousand dollars and so they're not cheap. Um, and all the people that I was training with that paid their thousand dollars out of their pocket were very happy with what they got. So yeah, they, yeah, they, you're, at the end of those three days, you're ready to go home. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I had a reverse experience. Sid. I'll tell you about that here in a minute. So you're right. Like in my experience, all our guys from here, our department didn't pay for them. They all went to themselves and, uh, you know, didn't uh, and went back multiple times. My buddy Matt Bowen, who's an instructor there now, he went um, to truck one, truck two, truck three, and they knew him by the time he got through truck three and asked him to come out and start helping out. Um, so it, uh, yeah, that's my experience. A lot of volley departments have better, sometimes better training budgets than, you know, than pay departments. And my department just wouldn't pay for it. We would... They'd give us uh, SCBAs to use, and then, you know, we had to get out there and pay for it and get our, get our own time off. But that's the kind of guys that they want. They want those kind of guys that want to make a difference. And, uh, you know, you, you can't go out there and sandbag. I mean, <laughs> you're going to work. I mean, you know, it's not it's, – it's, you know, we've been to all these big training uh, conferences before where you might get to hold a saw and cut one piece of wood, and that's it. And then there's – 20 other guys in line there. This isn't that, you know, you're, they're working. And what's great about it is you learn nuggets from guys like Mike Lombardo and Bobby Pressler that you'll never get anywhere else. You know, like in the search, they're probably on this hot hallway and it's hotter than hell and they got their light on. They can't see where the fire is. And Mike Lombardo is right there and tells them, Hey, turn your light off because their light on their, on their helmet diffuses the smoke. And they can't see. They take off. They turn their light off. They can see the orange glow, and they can hit it with the can and make a search. So you learn little nuggets like that that you're not going to learn anywhere else. And these guys want to share that knowledge because you know it's up to get the next group of guys ready to go. And uh, you guys know it just as well as I do. Uh, the only way you learn anything on this on the job is to experience it. And if, so if you have a lot of experience and a lot of fire situations, that's where you're going to, you know, if you can take those nuggets from people and learn, that's where, that's what counts. So. 
I'm getting off yeah, the bandwagon. Good job. Hey, hey, you, you were told by Captain Bowen, correct? Do what? You, yes. When you said, when yeah. you said Bowen, yes, Captain Bowen. From that. Yeah. And that, that's kind of impressive in itself. Just a really quick um, you know, input on that is, you know, again, not being there, but from an outsider looking in, knowing that this isn't like a elitist click of people that say, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to tell you how to run your fire service career. Again, it's, it's sharing information, it's networking, but the mere fact that you have a student who shows you know, some of the qualities and the tenets that you want to see in the instructors. And here's a guy who, you know, I, and I've kn known Captain Bone for a while, have a great deal of respect for him, but right there is where you say, wow, you know, Hey, why don't you come out and teach with us? Because you you want to get you know, fresh eyes, fresh information. So that to me, that that speaks of the high quality of the program is that the the training comes first, and the egos don't even exist. No, you're exactly right. And just to give him props, he's a battalion chief now, but he I just apologize. that's chief all right. Bowen. Chief Bowen. He just got back from. Uh, he was he does all the uh, live fire as far as the control line of the hoarder house at the fire camp. He just got back in there because it, it, it's like he says, and it's true, it recharges our batteries. You know, as a chief officer, you get to have to put up with the bullshit, the day in, day out bullshit of administrative work. And, you know, that gets you back into what the real nuts and bolts of the job is. And that's going to save people in fires and putting out fire. You know, and, uh, so it helps. It does just as much for him as it does for anybody else because it gets him back in the game and makes him, you know, we're all, we're all students, you know. I'm retired. I still listen to fires. I still go right out on Rescue 2 here and, you know, and on with my buddies that are chief officers and, you know, still in the job. We're never going to leave the job. You know, you can retire, but you never really leave the job. So um, yeah, it just helps everybody. And, and I want Bobby to kind of weigh in on this, um, you know, as therapeutic as some of these training events are, especially the high quality ones like FDTN, you know, to me, our insurance ought to pay for it because it's almost a mental health um, initiative more than anything else. But it kind of besides recharging our batteries, we get around people who are like minded and we get a chance to really see and you know, share some of those vulnerabilities that we have that we might not be able to. Um, you know, put out maybe back in our home department or just in general in the fire service. And Bobby, I know you had kind of mentioned before, um, you know, some of the things that uh, some of the challenges you'd had over the years and how FDTN was really, um, you know, really kind of not only therapeutic, but kind of put you back on a good path and things. Would you mind sharing that with us a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so back in 2006, so I think I went. I think I went out to FDTN and the FDIC portion uh, before um, before this happened, and um, uh, we had a significant apartment fire. And um, luckily, we we all made it out. But it was a significant event. It was, you know, um, it, there's certain fire events you go to where you're very. It's very obvious that if you don't figure it out, you're not going to make it out of there, and and your other guys aren't going to make it out of there. And, and during the event and after the event, it, did, it didn't bother me at all. Um, it, it really didn't bother me. And uh, I had another significant event happen, believe it or not, after that. And, um, you know, and, and once again, um, it didn't really affect me. And then about a year after all this went down, um, I started having trouble. And so 
you know, I always talk about it. You know, when you get in the fire service, they ask you questions and you're physical, like, are you claustrophobic? And you want to be a firefighter, you're going to say no. Um, it's just what firefighters, you know, it's, it, you're just afraid they're going to say, okay, you can't be a fireman. So you kind of, um, you know, the, the troubles I'm going to talk about, uh, we hide. And so I know we had the, the, the peer uh, uh, the peer group on the other, uh, what, a couple months ago, I guess, Ben, something like that mm-hmm. now. Um, so there's the, way better mechanisms now than when this all happened to me. Um, I just knew that, um, you know, what happened to me was even when I was younger, looking backwards now because I'm on the other side of it, uh, I had a little bit of claustrophobia, like being in crowds or being pushed in. Um, there were times where the maze was a little bit unnerving for me in the fire service, but I could push through it. So nobody really knew except for me. Um, and what happened was after I went through these stressful events, um, within a year, those things got worse for me. And, and I, I don't know if part of it's age. I think age also makes some of those things worse. Maybe I, I don't know. Um, I, I I'm going to term it that I was having a little struggle with some of the, some PTSD stuff is, is what I'll call it. Um, I, I don't know what it was. I just know how I felt. And so now the claustrophobia got worse um, and things got worse as it was kind of going. And, and I tell you, I got I got bad enough, Trevor, that I was like nervous about nighttime fires because that loss of visibility. Um, I was starting to get really bad about the maze. And uh, what happened to me was we had a working fire and I was on a nozzle and I couldn't make the hallway and I couldn't make the hallway mentally. It wasn't a physical thing. It was a normal hallway it wasn't a big deal but i couldn't make the hallway and and i came out of there and i'm telling you when your mind stops you you're like a mule nobody can push you past that point when it happened to me and i remember after that being just so distraught because i thought i'm the guy i loathe you know we always pick on the guy that won't go in the fires or you know lays back or is like the fourth guy back and all of a sudden here i was that guy you know, uh, and, and I didn't even know what was happening to me. I mean, I kind of sensed it, didn't know what was happening to me. And I realized that for me, I, I, I'm so passionate about what we do. I, I made a, I said to myself, I said, either I got to get out of this or I got to fix this. But, but I can't do both. I can't come to a firehouse and, and not be able to do my job. And what I did was I didn't have any of the peer support stuff back then, unfortunately. And I think it's a great thing for people to look at now because I think you could cut to the chase a lot quicker than what it took me. But what I did was I attacked my symptoms. Um, I had a buddy who does a, has an HVAC service, and, and, and the claustrophobia was probably the worst thing for me. The visibility is probably the second worst thing for me. And that disorientation in the smoky environment is probably the third worst for me in the, in, the, in the scale of how I was how I was doing. But the worst one was the claustrophobia. So I said, if you get a difficult job, call me. And he did. He called me in his real tight crawl space, and you had to go through holes and get through and things like that. And the thing was, after about eight hours of doing that, uh, mentally you're fine because you always get back out of the house. You always get back out kind of fine. So I really worked really hard on my symptoms. And actually over the past probably four or five years, I've felt great. Um, I've not been worried about nighttime fires anymore. I've not been worried about that. However, I didn't have any of those fires that I just described to you. I didn't have that stressful fire. So I started looking at what was happening at FDTN with this, this live fire thing. And I was kind of like, you know what? This is where I need to go to verify that I'm okay now. Um, I mean, and, and and so that was kind of my thought process there. So I'm a lieutenant in the fire department. We're sending new guys out there. And I said, I need to go. Well, we're sending new guys out there. And it just so happened I put in every year. And finally, we didn't have enough new guys to send out there. And the chief says, hey, you want to go? 
and, and it was my opportunity to go. And um, what ended up happening was, in fact, I was much better. Um, a matter of fact, I was better than I was before I even got in the fire service. I, I feel I don't have any of those claustrophobias anymore. I really feel wonderful working in the buildings and things. And what happened at FDTN was as I was going through the stations, there's a few things that I've never had as well as I did when I got done with that three days. Now, the first thing was, Sid, you'll appreciate this. I did forcible entry first. And so at 55, going on 56 years old, doing forcible entry first, um, I knew I was never going to finish three days. There was no chance. Um, it was it was the most the, the hardest thing I've ever done in training uh, ever. And, and, you know, you end up you get eight door. You can go through 64 doors if you want. Nobody's ever done it. But you can go through 64 doors if you want with a team of two. And the last uh, the last 16 will be under live fire conditions, blackout conditions, hot where your hands are starting to burn, holding the Halligan, um, no visibility, trusting the guy to hit the irons in the right way, trusting the other guy to have the iron in the right spot, you know, all those things. But physically, uh, I spent two months training specifically for going to FDTN. So not only mentally, I was working physically to kind of really make sure that my body was in the right shape. I mean, I work out all the time anyway, but I actually kind of went up to that other level to try to make sure I was okay out there. And I did great. I didn't have any injuries, but at the end of that first morning, I was like, I'll never finish this. It's three days of this. But I went to the hoarders um, part next. It was like the next station in the afternoon. And believe it or not, it is no easy task. The hoarder station, it felt easy after that first point entry. And I thought, well, hold on. I just need to get to them tomorrow, you know. And that's what FDTN caught, taught me a little bit was that I never really got was one task at a time in those stressful environments. Just one thing at a time. And FDTN hammers at home. Take care of that problem right then and there. Worry about the next problem when you run into it. And that was the beginning of that was as I kind of went went through all of those things. Um, the other thing that happens in FDTN is you get ultra comfortable in your gear. Um, you're ultra comfortable with your mask on, clicking in, clicking out. Um, even though I do a lot of instruction and we've been doing lots and lots of live fire burns and, and acquired structures and things like that, FDN, FDTN was a whole other level of you just – popped your mask you just popped your regulator in you didn't even you, you know, know what that is that's repetition yes that's you're just you're doing it all the time and you're feeling your the you get the better you are absolutely so the last thing that that i learned uh, well two more things um the other thing i learned was that that you're hot for so long in there if you don't if you can't some of those problems are hard enough to solve that you're going to burn through a 45 minute bottle of air and then the whole time it's going to be hot the, the whole entire time you're in, I mean, we were going back and you're getting minor burns all over yourself every single day there. It, it is no joke out there. Um, I do lots of live fire training, and I'm telling you, it is right up there with doing stoking in a live fire evolution at, all the time. So you get used to working in that hot environment. And the last thing is, because I was a lieutenant, I typically take the second person back as a lieutenant. And you really got comfortable monitoring your air and other people's air. Um, you really got comfortable with that. So it was almost at that point where you, you're, you're trying to get a firefighter out, the victim out, and you're monitoring, okay, you're on low air, not a big deal. Let me know when it slows down. Yeah, you you're know, coaching. That's good. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. Right. That's what you do so, on the job. You're the coach. Yeah, so, hey, I, yeah, I saw Dipsy said a little while, it's Disneyland for firefighters. Once you got in the groove out there, and, and it's funny because at 55 years old, um, I, the first day was really hard. And believe it or not, each day it got a little bit easier for me. 
Um, yeah. You know, my body got acclimated to it and I actually felt a little bit better. And by the third night, we kind of went out, had a dinner and I thought, wow, I feel actually pretty good. I was tired. <laughs> right. There's not about it. I was really, really tired. And we had lots of burns and things like that. But um, it's more like but, your typical fire conference deal to where guys go out having a drink or two afterwards. I mean, you're done. Yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we paced ourselves. We didn't, we didn't yeah. mess around in between those days at all. There was no. Once we get everything prepped for the, the night, you know, after everybody leaves, we get everything prepped for the next day. Then we eat. And then me and Matt Bowen are in a hotel room laying in bed at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. we're going to get up at six o'clock the next morning and do it all over again. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm 62. So I get it. So, uh, we can yeah. still do it, right, Sid? Huh? We can still do it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, but that's what's important about you got to be in shape mentally and physically. Yes. You know, I mean, both of those. Yes. And, and the last thing, about, and the last thing you'll appreciate this, Sid. So the last thing about it is we really don't send our guys out to the camp. So Sid had mentioned Millville. Millville Volunteer Fire Department is the town that I live in and grew up in. It's where I started my fire service at here in Delaware. And uh, we have a group of guys out there. They're, they're kind of all over now. Some guys are working in D.C., but there's still some guys in that firehouse right now that went through all of the engine company stuff. Uh, Bethany Beach Fire Company near us did the same thing. Uh, all the engine company, all the truck company out there. I mean, they really took a lot of training, and, and we did not, and I have not taken that. And so it's, it's kind of what would happen was – when you went out there, the only thing instructors weren't very good about at FTTN was if you're quitting or freaking out. That was the two things that they kind of would have to talk to people about, you know. And there was very few people that it happened to. But it, it was you keep giving it your full effort, and if it doesn't work and you can't get the person out, you don't have the skills, they're not going to berate you for that. But if you quit, <laughs> they're going to have something to say to you about that, you know. And that's just kind of – it's a fine line between those two things, yeah. but the amount yeah. of respect out there and, and Trevor, you're, you're going to love this. Um, the one thing was that I always knew there were instructors around me and I always knew there were guys like uh, chief newbie and Mike Lombardo and all those guys. And, um, and, you know, you really trusted the instructors. They did not get in your way. I think there was three actual maydays while I was doing training in different scenarios where firefighters got split up or whatever. And the instructor did not jump in. They allowed that team to fix their own mayday. So that team would say, I hear you, I hear you, we're going to come get you or whatever. And those guys kind of stayed out of your way to kind of fix it up. So they let you problem solve even the most critical situations in there. But they were there, you know. Yeah, they, they the instructors there. are always there. You can't see them because it's so smoky or whatever. They're all there, and they're and they're in the critical spots they need to be in. But they're not going to jump in. They'd rather have you fix it until you can't fix it and right. uh, that's that's part of the deal where it's the same like you said you know if you don't get something done you're not going to be berated about it but you don't you know but as long as you put forth the maximum effort that's all they can ask that's all they ask is it you know you don't yeah you just don't quit and walk away you know they're gonna they're gonna make sure you you succeed one way or another yes yeah, sir and that's why I just put up there about, you know, it's it's not about or it's about professional development. It's not about uh, participation trophies. And, you know, you know that those instructors are always going to have your back and they're going to tell you the unvarnished truth. And that's a good thing because, yeah. you know, we need to bring our you know, big boy and big girl pants when we come to work. 
and be able to take the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's uh, like we said before, you know, sometimes it's difficult to tell somebody that they got an ugly baby, but if their baby's ugly, it's ugly. And we have to tell them that. So they, they progress and they, and I think that's one of the things that um, Bobby, you had mentioned before is that, you know, they're not there to berate you or belittle you or anything else, but at the same time, they're not going to coddle you. They're going to be very honest and give you an honest assessment. So when you go there, you got to go there with the mindset that you're there for your for personal growth and development uh, in your career, and that those things that you're going to bring back and share with people, and you you got to be able to understand that you know you're fallible. You have your capabilities and limitations, your strengths and your weaknesses, and they're going to expose that for you. And if you're not mentally prepared as well as physically prepared for that, you may have a difficult time. Uh, accepting it because, you know, I know a lot of our fire training and Bobby, you bring this up quite a bit and I relay this to my folks as well. We train to success an awful lot, which is good, but we also have to train to failure. What what happens when things go wrong? And it's impressive to me, um, just as Chief Newby was saying, what you were uh, illustrating a little while ago, that when things were going wrong on that fire ground, it was that crew that was responsible for fixing it. Those those instructors were going to be your safety net in case anything you know, went out of bounds. But that hey, this this is your call to handle it, deal with it. And um, you know, so to me, that's impressive in itself that they put yeah. the level of training and development ahead of the um, customer satisfaction, where we want everybody to go home with a smile on their face. Well, I think if people really go out there for the right reason, they're going to go home with a smile on their face because you know they've invested in themselves. They've invested in, in the job and they've re- received a lot of great stuff. But if you want to go out there just to be told that you're, you know, you're wonderful and you're a rock star firefighter, well, that might happen on the first evolution. But the next evolution, guess what? You're at the bottom of the heap again until you prove yourself. Yeah. Right. And, and it, 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 it's supposed what it's supposed to do is, you know, if we're at a fire and things aren't going right or at a car wreck or anything else, there's nobody coming to take it from us. You know, there's no Calvary coming. We are the Calvary. We've got to figure it out. You know, we've got to solve that problem and make it work, whether it's getting somebody else in there or getting another piece of equipment or whatever. You know, like Bobby says, there's nobody coming in to take it from us. We've got to handle it. So that's why we want to get those skill sets in there um, and, and let them try to figure it out. And then after every one of those sessions, we talk about it. We talk about what went good. We talk about what went bad you know, what you need to maybe work on in the future. And uh, I said, what, no different than doing a tailboard session after a real fire. You're going to talk about it. That's the best time to talk about it. You know, hey, this went well. We need to work on this. You know, we couldn't. So that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's something important to mention is that, um, like you guys have talked about, it's always working to, you know, what can that crew take care of on their own? Because again, there's no 912. You know, they have to take care of it. You know, we we always talk. Um, I, I don't say we always talk, um, but like you go through your uh, in Maryland, we go through Mifri and we take our fire one, we take our fire two, we take whatever classes. And someone has an issue and they call a mayday. What what's the reaction of the instructors? Well, their their reaction is to take that student and and take them out of the building. Okay, so even in you know even in some of their more advanced classes. It's not up to the crew that they're with to manage that in to, to manage that smaller incident, a part of the the burn or whatever they're doing. The instructor steps in and takes them out. Now, in fire one, I totally understand that. Fire two, that, that's a, 
you know, we're trying to get them to, to advance a little bit. So maybe they, maybe they need to manage that, you know? And I, I think that's something that that's fantastic about FDTN. And from, you know, what we're hearing in the conversation is that everything is so much more realistic because again, you know, when, when it's, you know, engine one pulls up and it's a crew of three, like that, that could be it for five, six, seven, ten minutes, depending on where you are, what you got going on. And, you know, when the, the shit hits the fan, like you guys have to make it work. Um, so I think, I think that's fantastic. And I don't think that happens enough um, in training is that it's, it meets those requirements of when we go on that call at three o'clock in the morning, this is what it's going to be like. Well, that's what's great about the, the front bar training network is, is there's so many, look at the uh, class, classes, there's so many different types. There's a company officer class just for company officers, just so you can work on your skill set there. There's an engine class, so it's just blue collar engine work. You know, you got your door position, you got your backup, you got your door, and then your officer. And, you know, you're doing you're doing those skill sets. So, like the fire camp that Bobby used to, it's a it's more of a uh, skills scenario, skills um, class activity where you go in and do forcible entry. You do a search. Whereas the other ones are a little more scenario based to where as a, you know, as an engine company or a truck company, you know, your first do, you got to get in there on the, if you're on the truck, you do a search, try to get in front of the line, get a search going, you know, while the line, while they're stretching the line and doing each one of those individual jobs to where it helps you as a firefighter or a fire officer to hone in on that skill set as an, as also as a chief officer. So, yeah, and, and I want I want everyone to make no mistake. The the guys that are thinking about going out there, I, I absolutely think you go out there. I think it's as close as we can get in the fire service to the SEAL Team Six training that you can probably get. Um, I think they get the fires as hot as they can be uh, and, and be relatively safe. Um, and, and and make no mistake, you can be sixty or eighty feet inside of a container in real heat and real smoke. And if you dislodge your mask, it would be catastrophic. So it's not a it's not when they're talking about a safety net, the instructors can't see anything either. So they're, they're relying on their experience and their ears to kind of listen to what's going on and tones of voices and what's happening and interacting between the crews. So, um, you know, uh, I think people kind of picture like a maze where the guy's sitting there watching what's going on and say, you know, well, and we, do, we do have imagers that we okay. use. Good. Like, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah. so, so, so for us, it's, it's real. And, and, you know, I know Sid was talking about earlier about, you know, going to bed early. Um, I got to tell you, we saw guys throwing up out there. Um, If you, if you, if you, this is not the place to go, to go out late at night in between your days. Um, And and we saw the end result of that. And and guys really didn't get a good experience because they ruined at least a day. And there's no makeup basically. And there's no makeup time. Basically, if you if you get behind physically or mentally, you're kind of, I think, pretty much done out there. So it was just a, a, an amazing experience, Sid, and all you guys that teach out there. And, and I got to tell you something. We talk about the instructors out there. There's probably two to one people out there just working, just resetting yeah. the fires, moving the dummies back and forth. You know, we're carrying the dummies out once. They're dragging it around and putting it back in, dragging it around, putting it back in, dragging it around. There's... There's some and guys setting up the fires, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, so, so like yeah. the fire camp, the one you just went to, 110 students. Well, it's 
take 60 instructors, and that's just instructors, not counting the logistics guys, to make that work. So it, it's it's amazing. I'd get, I guessed out there, I'd guess it's one-to-one. That yeah. There's as many people out there setting the things up as there are students taking it. And where, else, where else can you walk up to Timmy Clett and ask him a question, or Mark Lombardo or Bobby Presser and say, hey, man, I had this happen to me, and you can do that. There's no egos. They're sitting there right there getting dirty with you. And, you know, uh, Scott Harden, Sandy Lassa, you know, you can't beat those guys because they've got that real-world blue-collar fire experience. And, uh, you know, and they're not going to bullshit you. They're going to tell you straight. And, and, Trevor, you said something about the respect that you get from the instructors out there. I think uh, FDTN is no secret anymore. Um, I think the word is out. Uh, that this is legitimate, real, difficult, hot, uh, zero vis- blackout visibility kind of stuff. And I think just the fact that you signed up for a class out there gains respect from the instructors before you even roll into FETM. Just the fact that you signed up to kind of go out there because everybody kind of knows what's going on. You don't know till you do it, but everybody kind of knows what's going on out there. And just the fact you took your time, you took your money, you took your energy to go out there, um, it felt to me like they started off right away. Now, I know a lot of the instructors out there have been around for a little while, um, but even the, the, the students that didn't know a single one of them, you could see they started off at a respect-based mutual relationship because they were coming to something. There was no illusion to how easy it was going to be. They knew it was going to be hard. They knew it was going to be mentally and physically challenging. And I think that part of that is so if you guys want to sign up for FDTN, um, you're going to have a respect of just signing up for FDTN. And, and I think that's where you start at. And, and there's people that struggle and there's people to do better and things like that and so on and so forth. But like Sid says, it, you know, they'll, they'll tell you the goods, they'll tell you the bads, they'll kind of work you through it. And um, it's, it's, it's well worth your time if you want to be really good at your craft because it makes you at a whole nother level of comfortableness working in those types of environments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a stressful the fire service. Going to a fire is a stressful, a stressful thing. Highly stressful. It ain't like like I used to tell people. It ain't like we're working at Walmart here. We got stuff going on, life and death stuff. And uh, you know, the more you can practice it, in that kind of the more comfortable you're going to feel on the fire ground, a real fire ground, and it's going to make you do your job better. And you know, maybe be able to make that grab. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's a it's a great place. Jim has done a fantastic job of what he's doing. It's unbelievable. I mean, you go out there, there's something new every time. And there's something for everybody. It's not like the National Fire Academy where there's only certain classes. Anybody at any rank, at any tenure on the job can take a class out there and learn something. You know, they do a container class. Jim's not trying to hoard all his knowledge. He teaches a container class so you can take it back to your department and build containers if you want to. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. Nobody's trying to hoard anything. We're trying to share it. So, yeah, and, and Sid, I, I remember um, actually, yeah, Bobby Halton had said this one time. He said, "You know, if it's really not yours, if you can't share it." And you yeah. know, we see we see a lot of people in the fire service, and yeah, you know, we all have our niches, we all have our passions of things we'd like to teach more than others, and um, you know, some people are considered subject matter experts on certain topics. But you know, if if you can't give it away. It, it's yeah. You know, I, I have to agree with that. That is truly not yours, and that's that's one of the premises that I've loved teaching with people like you know yourself and Bobby and Ray McCormick and all those guys. That 
you know, they, they just want to give away whatever, whatever they have, good, bad, or indifferent, and share it with everybody. And if, if somebody can pick up on it and use it and it's beneficial, great. If not, then, you know, we sat down and had a couple beers somewhere and, you know, had a, had a good conversation. But, you know, to me, it's that, it's that level of instruction where it's a, it's a, it's a peer to peer versus the instructor student relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, yeah, Bobby, like you said, the amount of respect that you probably garner from those instructors just by saying, you know what, I'm going to go out here and you know, you're, you're vulnerable at that point. So you can go out there and you, you might be the you know, biggest person in your, in your department, the most, uh, you know, trained, the most popular, the most experienced, and you go out there and you're on an even keel with everybody else, but that's okay. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we, we look at sometimes even in our company level training and you know, Bobby, you've seen this a million times. I know Ben, you have as well, is that we always have the same handful of folks that will participate in the drills. And then we have the other people that kind of hang back because they're a little bit afraid and they never develop. And if they hang back in training, they hang back on the fire ground. And so you know, we can't have first string, second string, and you know, the, the A squad and the B squad. It doesn't work that way. And we've seen the results of that. And you know, Bobby, the last major fire that you and I were on, um, you know, we, we saw some of the results of that, you know, a squad and B squad mentality where, you know, if, if somebody pulls the first line short, they can't pull a, a second line of the same length and expect it to go further. And, you know, if they throw a 24 foot ladder that requires a, a 35, that's a training issue. That's something that they, you know, that those little things right there. So, you know, to me, it's, you know, like you're saying, Bobby, when you go out to some place like that, you're putting all your cards on the table and saying, "Hey, look, make me better." And you're you're okay with going out there and getting your ass beat for two, three, four days, whatever the case is, and you know coming back with your battle scars, but also coming back with the knowledge that you you put everything out there, and if you made a mistake out there, you'll never make it again um, in the real world because they ground that rough edge off of you. Yeah, there's no other better place I'd rather send my son to who's now on the job. He, his first fire, real live fire, was there with Timmy Klett taking him in. How much better does that get? I mean, you know, that's that's you know, that makes me comfortable that you know he's had that experience. So as a parent, no, absolutely, and it's it's one of those things where you know, eventually we're all going to, like you said, Chief. It's we don't truly leave the fire service, but we might retire from it or, or take on different roles and responsibilities or just kind of you know, fade into obscurity. But that knowledge gets lost. And you know, there's there's so much good experience and knowledge out there that we really have to you know, pass this along to the current and future generations. And what better way to do that? And just like you're saying, I mean, I, I, my son's 13 years old. And of course, you know, he wants to he wants to be a firefighter. He wants to be a lot of other things. But you know, who do I want him to learn from? And I'm looking at the people on this screen. I'm like, man, I would I would love for a, you know a Sid Newby or a Bobby McGee or a Ben Waples or a, a you know a Mike Lombardo or a Bobby Pressler or you know, Timmy Clatt, any of those guys to take him down a hallway his first time. What how how can you ever replace that? Because you know eventually we're all going to become footnotes in the history of the fire service, but you know, that legacy needs to live on. And I, yeah, I agree with you, Sid. I mean, that, that's got to just be a phenomenal comfort for you, um, you know, to know that your boys not only learn from you and some really great people in the industry, but being mentored by those folks out at FDTN. Well, I got to give you guys props too, because 
by doing this, that's how we get together. Uh, I, I started a class probably six, eight years ago called The Kitchen Table. And it was just me, Pressler, and Lombardo sitting there. There was no class outline. It was just us in front, on a table in front of the class. And any questions anybody wanted to spit out, we'd talk about it. And it was one of the best classes for anybody to, you know, actually, you know, ask a question and get it answered by a lot of people with a lot of experience. And uh, and that's what this, this, as far as in the digital world, does for them. Well, this is the kitchen table. This is what we're doing. So my hats off to you guys. You're doing yeah, and, and well. Sid, I, you know, I, I got to agree with you wholeheartedly. And I, I'll tell you, the folks, this real quick. You just reminded me of something. Um, a few years back, uh, myself and Bobby and Ray, I can't remember if we had anybody else with us, but we were all doing something very similar out there at Wichita Hot. We were doing a kitchen table conversation. And so, of course, you know, the hospitality from the folks out there in Wichita is just second to none. I mean, we're, it, it's it's phenomenal. You go out there and it's you know, brotherhood, you know, just overflowing. And I, I think we're riding with Wade, Big Dub, and uh, we're we're heading up to the, uh, to the to the training center. And here's one of the typical like Kansas five mile long trains going past. So we had a train delay. I remember we called you, Sid, because you were I think you're running the show up there at that point. And we're like, hey man, we got a train delay. Well, the damn train goes and just before the intersection it stops where you couldn't even go around it, even when the uh the, the arms came up and we're like well isn't this something and we sat there and sat there so you know what we're gonna be late for a damn class but i just i just remember it's that level of professionalism yeah we, we call up sid and say hey man look I, we don't know what else to tell you but we're running late for a class that you've asked us to come out here and do it's a kitchen table conversation and I don't, I don't know what you did in the meantime, but when we got in there, the uh, the students seemed to be very happy. You tap danced long enough to keep them happy until we got in and did our kitchen table thing. So if I didn't thank you then, I want to thank you now. <laughs> I, I know the training situation. I worked down there for a lot of years, so I get it. Yeah, we, we didn't. We didn't understand that. We do now. So, well, guys, we're, we're at a minute or a couple minutes after an hour. So um, let's go ahead and do our, our final thoughts. Uh, and um, Chief Newby, why don't we start off with you, and we'll we'll kick it back around and, and wrap this thing up for the night. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for doing this and inviting me. It uh, means a lot to me. It gives me a chance to do my part to help out in the fire service um, and just talk about my favorite thing, and that's FDTN. I mean, you know, it, it's – like they say, like the guys put up on there, it's the Disneyland for firefighters. It's the fire fireground training academy. Uh, if you're into the job and want to know your job better, if you're going to figure out some way to get out there to take a class, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, I don't know anybody that's ever bad-mouthed. I mean, you know, once they go and experience it, it's a great thing. Um, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, hopefully get to do it again sometime. Thanks, Chief. We'll absolutely keep you in mind for, for future shows. Bobby? Yeah, thank you, uh, Chief Newby, for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Um, thank you for your efforts working out at FDTN and helping out out there. Um, you know, if, if you're thinking about it, this is this really is the, the place to go. Um, it, it really is good, and it really integrates well when you come back to your own department. You pick up skills and things like that you can work on. I do a lot, a lot of teaching. And, uh, you know, it's really good to be a student sometimes 
to relax from a teaching environment where you're trying to figure things out and just relax and kind of go through it. And you're always going to pick up new things. Uh, we're never going to have it. Um, even after we retire, we're never going to have it. So uh, FTT. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and thanks to Trevor and Ben for allowing us to do this show too, because um, this was really important to me. I thought it was great. And um, you know, it's just wonderful to talk with all of you guys and uh, you know, it's um, you know, just a little bit more of a plug. If, if you're having trouble with the, the claustrophobia or, or not being able to make the fires anymore, things like that. Um, and you've been through some events in, in your career, um, it's fixable. You know, don't don't leave this career. Fix it because I got to tell you, I feel better than I ever did in my entire life. Um, my whole outlook is better. Everything is better, um, and certainly FTTN's part to to do that. And you know, believe it or not, Mike Lombardo um, happened to be teaching us in Ocean City for a period of time uh, with me, and uh, it was it just happened to be right when I was going through that. And uh, he gave me some words of advice. He didn't even know it. Um, that really turned me around and kind of made me go in the other direction. So, I mean, I, I owe a debt of gratitude to, to Mike Lombardo, too, for helping me point me in the right direction uh, to understand the risk and the, and the reward of doing this as a, as a job and a profession and a vocation. And uh, this is still the best damn job in the world. By far, bar none, this is it. If you can do this for a living and enjoy this, you're going to enjoy life all the time. So. Thanks and for coming on here. you, Bobby, for saying that because a lot of guys wouldn't have the balls to say that. And, and But it needs to be said. You know, we all got to be honest with each other. That's just important. So I appreciate that. Trevor? Well, I can't top any of that, but uh, I just will. Thank you, Sid. Uh, Chief Newby, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to see you as always. And uh, like we said before, you, this this is about the brotherhood. This is about mentoring. This is about sharing information. And whether you've been on the job for, you know, 10 days, 10 years, 50 years, doesn't really matter at this point. It's a, it's a matter of you know, looking at the people who are coming up behind you and making sure you share that information with them. Um, one of the things I'd like, love to pass along to my folks is to say, you know, if you've been here for a week, then you're senior to that person who came on today. And you have an obligation to share what you've learned in that seven day period with them to make them better because you picked up something along the way and you made a mistake along the way that you don't want to repeat. So you know, to me and, uh, and Bobby, I'll kind of use your words a little bit. You know, we got to give each other the room to to grow and uh, you know, to, to rise and fall a little bit, too, in the fire service, because, you know, we're, we're all fallible and we, we want to do a good job. We have a very you know, in, intense job to do and a very important job that has to, um, you know, literally life and death. And actually, Sid, I was going to say one thing. The Walmart down where I live, um, there is a little bit of life and death there. but That's another story. Um, but, you know, but but for what, um, you know, for what we're looking at here is you know, the, the effort that's put in by the instructors. And I really hope this resonates with you know, people both new and older in the fire service that you know, we, we do have to pass these things along and, and make sure that the next generations coming up are you know, gaining from our experiences and that we're still gaining from our experiences, just like Bobby said. And uh, um, yeah, I'll call you out because you said it yourself. I mean, here, here's a guy in you know, his mid-50s who's still going out pulling lines and throwing ladders on a regular basis. And sometimes you're trying to get that 21-year-old up off the, uh, you know, get his ass dent out of the recliner long enough to come out there and just do a basic company-level drill for 20 minutes. So, you know, to me, if you're going to be a practitioner in, in this industry, 
you, it's a it's a lifelong commitment, and I think that FDTN really captures all of that and energizes people and, and puts that mindset in people's minds. No matter whether you've been in for, you know, you might just have come off probation or you might have be a chief officer for several years. So, um, you know, Sid, to you and you know the FDTN uh, you know, training, and Bobby also for you know sharing your experience with us because you know it it, it does it. I agree with Sid. It, it takes a, a wheelbarrow full of balls to be able to actually say it and mean it and, uh, you know, do it here with everybody. So, you know, thanks everybody for tuning in and for everybody being on here tonight. So Ben, with that, back to you, sir. Got it. Thank you, chief, chief newbie. Thank you again for joining us. Truly appreciate it. And it was an honor to, to chat with you guys tonight. Um, so for my, my closing thoughts, um, kind of like everybody has already mentioned, Every time you go to the firehouse, do something to get better, right? You know, if, if you have the opportunity to go to FDTN, FDIC, Firehouse Expo, wherever it is, a local conference, go get better. Take a buddy with you, all right? Um, you know, take somebody to, that's going to push you, that's going to make you be better. Um, always, always get better. You can't train enough for a job that's going to kill you. I don't know who said that. I'm sure it's somebody really important. I apologize. It's not mine. I'll figure it out and I'll let you guys know in two weeks, but you can't train enough for a job that's going to kill you or that could kill you. So um, with that being said, thank you again, gentlemen. Cheers. Always a pleasure. Thanks guys. Appreciate your time. You guys stay safe and we'll see you guys in two weeks. um, I'm sorry. Hang on a second. Before I close this out, I do have to throw this up here. If you're interested in FDTN, scrolling across the bottom of the screen now is their website, their phone number, and their their email address. Give them a call. Visit their website. Uh, send them an email. Get out there. Get some training. Um, do something to make yourself better again. So there it is. I'm going to leave that scrolling. Um, if you need anything from Strike the Box, we've posted it before. Uh, stbtraining.com, uh, our Facebook, Instagram Um, all that kind of stuff. You guys can find us, get up with us, but um, definitely take note of the fdtraining.com website and go check them out. So thank you again, everyone for joining us and have a great night.